0: Welcome to the Castalia podcast. My name is Isla Ratcliffe, I'm a Scottish fiddle player and I have just released my debut album, The Castalia. In this podcast, I interview musicians from Cape Breton, an island on the east coast of Canada with a rich traditional music culture, thanks to the many Scots who emigrated in the 18th and 19th centuries. I was very lucky to spend four months in Cape Breton, A life-changing experience that inspired my album. It is the people behind Cape Breton Music who make it so special. This is why I have created this podcast. To give you the chance to meet them. There was a raging session going on
1: and and there was this sort of lovely like crossover moment from this this really ethereal, um, slow, beautiful moment of all of us singing together in the courtyard to letting loose into the session and, and then
0: dancing till dawn. Today I'm chatting to Mary Britton, a step dancer and Gaelic singer. Mary is originally from Edinburgh, but a few years ago she moved to Cape Breton permanently after falling in love with the traditional music scene there. I met Mary in Scotland many years ago and reconnected with her during my time in Cape Breton. Basically everything that I do is in some way connected
1: to Gaelic. Um, and although I was raised in Edinburgh and uh, also in Fife, I'm now living in, in Nova Scotia. I've been here for about five, five and a half years. Yeah.
0: Lovely. Okay, well, I'm starting each episode with four questions. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, what is your favourite thing about Cape Breton music?
1: Oh, I think it's the lift. It's just, it's just that infectious, um, the lift, the drive, the dirt. I know these are words that people use a lot, but particularly as a dancer, um, as, a, as a step dancer, I, I just love the way the music literally lifts me off my feet. Like it's, it's the thing that it's, there's such a buoyancy in it and, and an energy. That was the thing that just captivated me from the beginning and also the way that the, the music and the dance are so connected um, that the, the music is there to, to lift the dancing and, and uphold the dancing. Um, and there's just this beautiful kind of symbiotic relationship between the two of them.
0: Lovely. And secondly, why do you play music and step dance and sing? I, I can't
1: imagine not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I mean, why? Uh, because, because I don't know what life would be like if it wasn't an option. It just, um, yeah, it brings me so much joy, and it, it helps me connect to some of the most important things in my life. Um, the idea of community and friendship and. It's like every cell in my body comes alive to it. I can't stay still. Like if I'm at a concert, I'm dancing in my head um, and kind of thinking what what steps I might put to a particular tune. And I suppose it also it connects me to a sense of of people uh, who have gone before, and and as a way it gives me a way to. Honor that memory and their joys and their hardships and how the music helped them through uh, so many different stages of history. And it also it feels somehow sort of radical to add add my own voice to that chorus of people who were singing, particularly in like in Gaelic, in a language that was oppressed for so long and. Um, to try to uh, to be part of the effort to to bring that back and to uphold it and to validate it and to celebrate it. Um, yeah, that's all that's all part of why why I dance and, and make music and and particularly in Gaelic, yeah.
0: Lovely. And your first answer to that about um, how you can't imagine life without it. I was actually kind of considering that very thing myself today. I was teaching a pupil and just kind of, you know, thinking back to when I was a pupil learning and then just thinking gosh yeah what what would my life look like if I'd never had music in it? And, it and it's this thing that we just kind of you know it's it is such a big part of our lives and yeah yeah what what would it be without it yeah and I I suppose we had as close uh, a glimpse to that
1: as uh as hopefully we will ever get in our lives uh during the pandemic when so many of the the real time physical gathering um, opportunities to share music were, were not available to us. But, but I just, I noticed during that time, um, you know, the, during that challenge, um, how much I turned to music even more. Like I, I was listening to it on my own. I was, um, going to things like we had these, these weekly conversation circles, um, in in Gaelic but often they would they would finish with a song and one person would sing everyone would join in on the chorus um on their own at home and and those moments felt extra poignant um even though we couldn't hear each other singing it was it was still the there was a sense of everyone doing exactly the same thing at the same time across the internet that was um it was so special and even like putting together videos with um with the other members of my band Farsan we that that was a really lovely process because we, we could we felt like we were involved in this creative act together even though we were doing it separately and in different places at different times it sort of came together on the screen and gave us a sense of connection that way too
0: yeah absolutely okay and third question what is your favorite musical memory Oh, this was so hard to think of something, but (laughs) I just,
1: the first, the first thing that came to mind um, was when I was, I was teaching step dance um, on the Isle of Skye for Alistair Fraser's um, fiddle camp there, and there was one night where we were walking the three or so miles um, back to the college from Armadale, I think we'd been at a a, a Cayley at the, the pub there and um, it was the year that the Galicians were over and um, Chisco had taught us a song that was actually in a, um, a like a minority language of Portugal. Um, so we had a Galician teaching us a Portuguese song um, in four-part harmony and we sang it the whole way home. Well th- first of all we started singing um, Gallic walking songs milling songs and then and then we went into this beautiful Portuguese song and then there was a full moon and and there was just this group like slowly walking and singing in four-part harmony and then we arrived back at Sol Mord and there was a raging session going on and and there was this sort of lovely like crossover moment from this this really ethereal um slow beautiful moment of all of us singing together in the courtyard to to just kind of letting loose into the session, and and then dancing till dawn, and and the tunes going, and um, yeah, I think it was uh, that that memory like combines some of my favorite traditional cultures of of Gaelic Scotland and and Galicia, um, which I I just fell in love with with their music a few years ago when I. Um, went over there and and then yeah the idea of 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 singing and doing something together like other I have other beautiful memories of um, basically any time when I've been singing work songs with people whilst actually working I really love that like Mm -hmm. um we we've had wood stacking frolics uh here in Cape Breton when we've gone over to neighbor's houses and stacked wood or um I don't know cooking or anything. It just it just really brings the, the 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 sort of purpose of the songs into the body. So even to walk and sing together felt felt really lovely. Um, and and another memory just from the other week was going to the first square dance after the pandemic, um, which we had oh, wow. on on April first. Um, Andrea Beaton and. And a few others organised it, and it was at the Mabu Hall. And we, I walked in just as the third figure was starting, and like just about started weeping at the doorstep. It was it was so wonderful and sort of emotional, and um, yeah, everyone was just in in pure joy the whole night. I think, and um, it was it really felt like like spring coming. Even if we did get a pile of snow a few days later, but it was like the metaphorical <laughs> winter of COVID was was easing up, and um, yeah, it was it was just a, a wonderful moment to feel feel the music in the body and just jump straight into dancing again.
0: Oh, that sounds so lovely. I almost have tears in my eyes just thinking about how yeah, that must have felt. Yeah, it's such a big part of feedback <laughs> and...
1: of everything here. Like, uh, and such a big part of why I I moved here, why I continue to live here, and and to be denied it for so long just felt like such a such a cruelty. <laughs> Even though it wasn't intended <laughs> like that, obviously, you know, it was a necessary precaution, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah it was it was really amazing to to be back and oh I don't know i mean how do you how do you pick like when you've had a life full of music yes. <laughs> just
2: how do you, how do you ever choose <laughs> um,
0: but, so those are all hmm. lovely memories okay, and fourth question, what is your favorite tune or song it could yeah be well i I was thinking
1: more along the lines of songs since i I guess i'm a a singer step dancer kind of primarily um, and, and I've been working on a project um, called the Nakedawan or Language and Lyrics for the last four years we've been building a, a database of um, the Gaelic songs that were made or known in Nova Scotia. There's close to 7000 songs in it the ones that stand out for me are some of the some of the kind of more common ones, I guess, over here, but they do, I think they they became so popular because they sum up um, or or they really encapsulate sort of key moments in in the history of of the gales here um, in in Nova Scotia or Mighmavy. Um, as Of course, it is to the the Mi'kmaq people, the original people here. But um, so one of those songs is "Chaliy Chiruamach, which was made by the bard McLean, who emigrated from Tyree and settled uh, near Antigonish, which is where I lived for like the first five years of my time here. And he is just a, such a a beautifully wrought, um, poignant song about his isolation. And and I kind of I returned to it during. During COVID, during the pandemic, because he was, um, he talks about how he's like he's losing his garlic because he doesn't have the opportunity to speak to people, and and he's in this this gloomy forest without anyone asking him to sing. Um, I, I don't know. It, it expressed like the the absolutely essential relationship between the musician, the singer, and and the audience. Like that, that it's not. That, that all of this happens in community. like there there's no there's no song without somebody to hear it, you know? and 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 his his experience of like if he didn't have anyone asking him to sing, wanting to hear the songs that that he had, then sort of what was the point of singing, in a way? Another one, um I was just talking to my my dear friend Sophie Stevenson, and we we're talking about all of her. Ancestors and how she's somehow related to um, uh, Callum Young or Malcolm Gillis, the bard from uh, Marguerite, and in his song "Nacraichs na um or "Embaraya," it's called, but it's often called "Nacraichs uh, na And he was just in love with Marguerite; like there was no place more beautiful to him under the sun. Like he says that in the first verse, and and so that kind of gives you the other. The other perspective of of the gales who came over here and and just and settled in uh, so well with extended family networks around them and and after, you know, a generation or two, you couldn't part them from from their community. Like you couldn't even take him to Shetty Camp, which is only an hour up the road. Like he was <laughs> he was <laughs> devastated that all he could hear was, was French and seagulls and, you know, where was the beloved Marguerite Valley? And um so yes, you know, it was it was both as soon as they found found their community and found their way of of um continuing the traditions it's like that they, they everything was okay the um the mu- the music sustained them the language the community family everything sustained them so i suppose
0: th- those are those are two that that kind of just came to mind i know i didn't ask you this before but would you be able to sing like one of the verses of one of those songs
1: yeah no pressure
0: yeah just, yeah i could sing them yeah?
1: um, well uh, either, either or both so akhali uh, akhru
2: Der mi par nach se groam ich was meinchen lo mi faun hor min ta chad nach inater a greckartalen vonem ja Hajian, me, or nor neemito shak be me traum. Hide me a galic shak marabahish. No, I never and the
1: last verse, which is um particularly poignant, I think, is uh, saying, um although i would be faithful writing back to the people um, left in scotland and and would take a a month to do it nothing can, can pull me out of this desperate situation that he's in <laughs> so he says, um get
2: the injelho gan escrew get gou in me as <laughs> a dish Get get hot in korea forever minchen she beautiful yeah you're Thank welcome you. um Na Kreichs
1: yeah that maybe we should do that one too as a, a happier contrast yes, it. <laughs> but yes. it's just that the chorus
2: even it goes Na Kreichs na clean beweilchen's et kreichs gleine freye getrich wa schön drim andren bin so En je raad je van grains en pierl en pain, wie tavocht. Och brine, hein, je mesk, en sound, en fijt je fine garlic. De kruik snaglein, de voye, je lean. Zat kruik is clean, afraja. Kutriek was geen drie manren, bean. Zeg homaan, green, de Lovely. Yeah,
1: there's no, Thank there's you. no place under the sun uh, that I would rather be living than Vrainn um, which is the like the, literally the the slope of the, of the river, but the particular place he was in Marguerite, um, where the sounds of Gallic can be heard.
0: Those are really nice, and gosh, from seven thousand songs, I mean, how I no know choose? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there are so many, but.
1: Um, yeah, people, people might have heard heard of those ones.
0: And so this project of collecting songs, um, Gaelic songs in Nova Scotia, where did that come from? Where did the idea come um, from? So it was um,
1: a, a grant that uh, Dr. Heather Sparling at CBU got. So so I think the original idea came out of a conversation between her and uh, Lodi Makhginagain, or Lewis McKinnon at Gaelic Affairs, and... Um, and there was there was talk of making a, a dictionary of Nova Scotia Gaelic or starting that process anyway, um, and I think the thought was that uh, much like the big Faglud project going on in Scotland, that there needed to be a corpus of language to draw from to. Um, to kind of determine which were the the words or, or phrases or whatever that were particularly unique to Nova Scotia, perhaps. Heather, being an ethnomusicologist, um, decided to start with songs, to, to, to build the corpus around songs, at least um, to begin with. Yeah, so we, we kind of started making a database of songs just to pick which ones we were going to digitise. And then that led grew into its own project because Mary Jane and I, as singers, we were thinking, "Geez, this would be such a useful resource for people if we could make this public somehow." Um, so we we kind of redirected the project <laughs> somewhat, and and the one of the primary um, goals ended up being the creation of this database, which. Um, Yeah, so we're hoping it's going to be very useful for people for finding songs and and lyrics and information.
0: That's amazing. And so it's all available online?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is now if you go to um, uk forward slash LIL for language and lyrics. And that's where the... um, the indexes
0: is, is stored. Great, yeah, that's a fantastic resource. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. I'd like to chat a wee bit about um, your upbringing in Edinburgh, and how did you get into traditional music? Was it something that you grew up with, or something that you came to later in life? Um, I definitely grew up with it. I would say I, I started going to the fife when I was five.
1: Um, my my parents are lovers of traditional music, um, although you know they're not musicians themselves. But um, they were definitely really encouraging and supportive, and yeah. So I went to the fish. Uh, age five, apparently came back after the first day and told my mom that I needed to learn Gaelic because I had been told a story in the language and uh, it felt like uh, like a necessity. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks to my five-year-old self. And uh, yeah, so we, we had neighbors that were Gaelic speakers and uh, my mom found me, I think it was, Nari well, um, Kidd was my first uh, teacher and um, Pretty sure her, Christine Kid was a neighbor of ours, and anyway, she used to come to the house, and we would, um, you know, play games and learn songs. And I had like a, a little mini Klarsach at that point, and like a, a smaller, small size one, and started learning that. Yeah, so the, for for me, it was the language and the music was always so connected, and. And although my parents aren't Gaelic speakers, it, it has felt like something that's been with me my whole life, at, you know, from as almost as long as I can remember. And it seems like such an important part of being Scottish as well, like the, the Gaelic is such an important part of, of Scottish culture
0: and and as a Scottish person, it's therefore an important part of me. And when did you first go to Cape Breton or when did you first hear of Cape Breton? yeah um
1: so i I went to Canada um to go woofing like the uh, worldwide opportunities on organic farms. so um that was in two thousand and nine, and I went with um one of my best friends, Gala, and we were there for about three months and we worked on farms in nova scotia and we we did we were in Cape Breton for probably a week, but I don't think I was fully aware of the the amount of of Gallic culture there at the time, um, but really the first time I, I would say was in 2014. I got um, I've been step dancing for quite a few years. Um, I'd started teaching step dance at the Fish, and I really wanted to um, to dig into that tradition more and learn learn more from from the people that had kept it alive so vibrantly. So I got uh, a grant from Creative Scotland. I went over for two months um, to, to learn what I could and was just, just fell in love. Like everyone was so, so good to me. Um, I had so many offers of places to stay. I had rides all over the island, much as I'm sure your experience was too. Like they're just um, so welcoming. And, and I went to so many square dances and, um, yeah, that was like, that was it. There was, I I knew I had to come back. Every year I felt like I was getting more and more connected. And so, yeah, anyway, just my life un- unfolded and kind of really rooted in over here. What was it that attracted you to move? It was a sense of this, it was this beautiful combining of of the familiar and, and the adventurous, I think, because there was so much that felt familiar and 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 like I was at home um here in Nova Scotia like you know, the, the the language the culture the people like the the names and then at the same time it was it was this beautiful new landscape there was I really liked um the fact that Gaelic was one of several minority cultures like Acadian and Mi'kmaq obviously um and and African Nova Scotian and there's are just like various. I've learned more about the about the Indigenous culture since since living here. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of um, a lot of pain in that story for sure, as as there is in a lot of other minority cultures as well. Like there there are these connect points of connection, but I think it's also important to to recognize the uniqueness of the indigenous, um, perspective and experience. But from a settler perspective, I suppose the fact that, um, that, yeah, the, the Gaelic was, was alongside these other cultures. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like the feeling that, that I could contribute. Um, but I feel like I've, I've got far more like (laughs) satisfaction than I don't know I could ever return um but but it's nice to feel part of of something here yeah yeah
0: like you when I first arrived in Cape Breton I just totally fell in love with the place Mm it's there was something about that it's the community Mm -hmm. and how integral the traditional music culture is to creating that community and yeah it's just something really really special yeah yeah and that really exists
1: in Scotland too you know particularly in Mm. certain parts like for me personally there was something that kind of seemed to click um when I came over here um but I think it's you know obviously that 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 exists in Scotland too it's just my my experience of it was that it it, I think particularly with the with the, the step dance piece like that, that's something that doesn't mm. exist as strongly in Scotland. It, maybe maybe one
0: day we'll get there, but
1: um, yeah. and it was something that I just loved so much. So I think that was that was pretty integral.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, no, certainly as a step dancer, I can well as you being a step dancer, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can understand why that would have been such a big part because yeah, I mean. A lot of people in Scotland I don't think have even heard of step dance. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact like I I hadn't mm-hmm. for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it really um
1: it kind of fell off the radar um and and perhaps what people the kinds of the kinds of step dancing that people were doing at the time that the most folk emigrated was no doubt a little different to to how it evolved in Cape Breton. Um to the point that a lot of people just completely forgot that it had ever existed here. That that is that is one piece that did diverge um, quite noticeably uh, in the, on the two sides of the Atlantic. And for whatever reason, I just kind of really was drawn to it. So I guess therefore I was drawn to <laughs> to Nova Scotia.
0: That's all really interesting. I mean, like I say, I for a long time hadn't heard of step dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I've, I mean, on my album, I've got step dance. I worked mm-hmm. very closely with a step dancer. And it's as if there was a missing piece of the jigsaw that's been put in place now. And mm-hmm. now playing the tunes knowing that they fit with the step dance, it just makes so much sense that I kind of look back and I'm like, how did I not know about this before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's nice to hear you say that. Yeah. I think, I think that that that's absolutely true. And like, I, I feel, you can feel that in your body, can't you? Like when Mm. you, if you're playing a tune and you watch somebody physically dance that out and and you also hear them like you hear the 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 rhythm that they're making it's sort of it's like a like a connection is is made like an electrical circuit lights up or something it just it's like the 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 connecting point um and yeah like not not that you can't enjoy a rip-roaring session of everyone playing like a a hundred miles an hour but no one's going to be able to actually dance to that at least not it yes. is <laughs> not not attached <laughs> to it. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you know. I suppose like the session scene is much stronger in Scotland and in in, in mm. Cape Breton. Like that, the the tradition of of one fiddle being passed around um, was more the norm, and that was often because there was only one fiddle in the house, and you could have like fourteen children and one fiddle, and everyone takes their turn. But it did um perhaps kind of perpetuate a culture of of really listening to each individual player and and each individual having mm-hmm. you know to, tuning into the, to the individual style of that person and um i know i've been on lots of car journeys in Cape Breton where like someone will come on on the radio and everyone is like having a race to guess who it is before they're announced. And <laughs> that, that's just, yeah, that's quite a common sort of pastime of like, guess the fiddler. Who is, oh, is it so-and-so from, and, and from old tapes too, like trying to guess somebody's lineage by the way that they play. Like, oh yeah, they listen to a lot of Arthur Muse tapes back in the day, or a lot of, they listened to a lot of Buddy McMaster. Or, um, so yeah, like the... So, yeah, maybe there's just more of a, perhaps a bit more of a, like, individual expression um, centered at the Mm -hmm. culture here, as opposed to, like, the session where everyone crowds in and they all, like, play tunes together. And it's kind of like, there's a great camaraderie to that and an energy. Um, But you don't hear the individual players as much. Yeah. And sometimes it gets quite competitive and wild, and then it all speeds up, too.
0: (laughs) And then it's not so good for (laughs) step dancing. (laughs) yeah and then I leave the session right (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, that's fascinating then that it is um, so much centered on individual expression but it is also at the same time such a community building Mm -hmm. activity both
2: hand in hand
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah and obviously like
1: everyone can play together (laughs) when yes you know at the end of the night everyone gets up on stage and, and nothing's ever rehearsed it's like they'll they'll just go from one tune to another and um you know like within within the first few notes obviously everyone's figured out what it is and away they go and and the the piano improvisation like the the way any piano player can jump up with any fiddler and like play a whole set of tunes just off-the-cuff, like, at a concert with no rehearsal even. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The mm. I'm, I'm in awe of the, the piano players here sometimes. <laughs> and oh, I know. The, it's
0: just amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and final question. Um, why do you think it's important to keep Gallic language going, to teach it, to speak it, to make sure that it continues?
1: Mm. I mean, I have my own personal reasons for loving it but i i i always think of this um wade davis quote um he was talking about language death and and used the metaphor of an old growth forest and that each each language being like one of these beautiful old trees that are that are doing so much more than just being a tree like the way that they're all connected that they're they're talking underground they're strengthening an ecosystem and and we know obviously that ecological biodiversity is is such an important thing for well for for the survival of of life on earth and i think cultural diversity is important for the same reasons like we need these we need this wisdom and every time a language dies and people decide that that the wisdom that it holds is worthless. We are less equipped for for our future, and we've we've lost something truly precious um, in terms of that that store of memory. And and so, I don't think that Gaelic is any more important than any other language, but it's definitely not less important than English. And. Or, or it's not less important than any other language in fact like just because so many people speak such a small number of languages that to, to me that should be cause for concern like the more the more language we have the better the more perspectives the more songs the more jokes the more Ways of noticing the world, appreciating, uh, na- naming what's going on in the natural world, like how to live in particular places, um, in in a harmonious relationship with with nature. Um, and so, obviously, I'm from Scotland, so I chose Gaelic. But I think you should take dig where you stand um and and any any minority language that people lift up and and try to to snatch from the jaws of globalization and rampant consumer capitalism is a good thing
0: oh that's a beautiful answer thank you (laughs) is there anything else that you'd like to mention just feel you know so whenever i get to talk
1: about this topic i feel so much gratitude for the people who who thought that it was important enough to remember and 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 that it was important enough to try to pass it on and who 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 took the time to teach me as well and and to to welcome me and and it sort of blows my mind whenever i think of these generations reaching back and back and back and back and you think of how many people had to learn and remember tunes and then teach them and or hear them and pick them up and figure it out and 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 how how they must have all been sort of gripped by this idea of oh that's good I want to learn that (laughs) and (laughs) and it's just never stopped and and what a wonderful thing that there are still people (laughs) being gripped by it no matter you know in a way it doesn't to, to me I don't think it matters to like what what your background is necessarily it's like there's something in you that if it comes alive when you hear this music then you could be part of making sure that that other people continue to have that feeling
0: and and what a wonderful thing to
1: be part of.
0: I know it It really does blow your mind actually when you when you think of it that way it's yeah. quite amazing. Yeah it gives me chills. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast today. You've made me really, really want to come back to Cape Breton very soon, as soon as I can. Oh, yes. (laughs) Do come
1: back. We'd love to see you back here.
0: (laughs) A big thank you to Mary for sharing her love of Cape Breton music with us. And of course, thank you to you for joining us. You can find Mary's music at Mary Downser on Facebook, and you can find out more about her band at farsonband.com. If you would like to buy my album, The Castalia, it is available on Bandcamp or at my website, islaratcliffe.com. See you next time.